0: Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy
1: today's podcast episode.
0: Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. We'll be discussing the third verse of the Tao Te Ching today as it relates to our recovery right now. Good to have a number of folks today. We've got Brian and Brian and Bish and Tina and Paul and Lou and Drew at this moment. Good to have you guys and lady. One book I want to discuss before we get to the Tao Te Ching is a book by Rodney Smith. And I found out about this book through my Zen study group. Uh, It's called Stepping Out of Self-Deception, Rodney Smith. Uh, I enjoyed this book on Audible so much that I went back and bought the book, and now I'm sitting down and reading the book You know, with audio. And the audio helps me to stay centered, so I'll listen to the book while I read it and stop and take notes. It's that good of a book for me. Uh, Stepping Out of Self-Perception, Rodney Smith, I have it in the bookstore. Any other announcements, go to buddyc.org. Got a lot of good resources there that you can take advantage of. If you're listening to this podcast and you'd like to join us. You can email me at info at buddyc.org, or better yet, you can go join us at our uh, Facebook group, uh, Dao of Our Understanding. It's a private group, so folks outside of the group would not know that you were a member. We try to maintain anonymity as much as possible with everything. Uh, So that's a good resource. Uh, Third verse of the Dao De Ching. Anyone have a particular translation they'd like to read? I'll go ahead and read uh, the Stephen Mitchell. And then if you guys have some another one or we, we can just use that as a base, whatever, however it unfolds. Uh, this third verse, Stephen Mitchell, if you overesteem great men, people become powerless. If you overvalue possession, people begin to steal. The master leads by emptying people's minds and filling their cores, by weakening their ambition and toughening their resolve. He helps people lose everything they know, everything they desire, and creates confusion in those who think they know. Practice non-doing, and everything will fall into place. Hmm. If you have comments, and I miss your, uh, and I don't notice you, just raise your virtual hand, please. We've got enough folks to where we start stepping on people if we just started talking out right. So let's do that, and I'll address you. Any opening thoughts with that or other translations? What's the guy that you like, Brian, that you, Brian T., isn't there a guy you? Uh,
1: yeah, I like the uh, the Jeff Pepper, uh, Dade Ching, in uh, clear English. It says, uh, don't honor good men and the people will not strive. Don't value rare goods and the people will not steal. Don't show off valuables and the people's hearts will not be confused. Thus, the wise ruler empties minds and fills stomachs, weakens ambitions, and strengthens bones. Make sure the people have no knowledge and no desire. Those who have knowledge will not dare to act. Do without doing, and all will be peaceful.
0: We'll eventually get to that last phrase, but let's start with that first one and just work our way through. Any other translations, guys, before we just dig in? This one can be a little, this is a little tough. This is not a, the last little verse is good and the
2: rest of it, let's just see what we can pick out. The overvaluing possessions part uh, definitely, uh, definitely stood out to me. I remember when I was looking at this for the first time, you know, years ago, um, about, I, I think I'd read a story about uh, you know a, a painting. It was worth I don't know who who knows. It was a Van Gogh that nobody knew it was a Van Gogh, and it was just sitting out somewhere. And you know, people walked by it all the time, had no idea. I think it was in an office or something. Um And then somebody realized what it was, and uh, immediately you know put it behind big glass case and insured it and stored it and and all that. Um to guard against people stealing it because all of a sudden everybody knew how valuable it was. So, you know, it it went from this just, you know, nice piece of art that people walk by and appreciate to this thing that was extremely, extremely valuable. Everybody wanted to steal and now it's put it behind a big glass case. It's restricted, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, and you know, if, if it weren't, if people didn't want it so bad, just because of who painted it, um, you know, nobody would want to steal it. It could be, it could live just out in the open. People could appreciate it, but um, because everybody places so much value on it, because of how much you know somebody else is willing to pay for it, um, people people want to want to take it. So that I remember that stood out to me uh, originally. If if I can just kind of let, let objects be what they are, um, not, not put too much value on them, then I can let them come, let them go. I'm not going to be looking at what else I can take. You know, is this more valuable than that? Um, Does this person have something I want? Do I have something they want? Do I need to buy insurance (laughs) for this thing? I have spend, spend more money on something that, uh, that, that, I don't need to do that too. Yeah. So just just kind of living living more simply and just kind of letting things be. Um, that's kind of what I took from that.
0: Maybe back to those perceptions too. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because our attitude around things that we overvalue is so different than uh, being right sized about everything. Um, here's Jonathan Starr. On that first stanza, putting a value on status will cause people to compete. That's what you're talking about, I think. Hoarding treasure will turn them into thieves. Showing off possessions will disturb their daily lives. It goes back to that. What's that old proverb that when you build walls, you invite thieves? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm out in the country and I see that huge fancy gate, but I can't see anything behind it guess what? I know there's something there. Mm-hmm. Looks like it'd be a lot better off just having a, an old cow gate, uh, you know, old fence gate instead. But when mm-hmm. I see that, I'm like, Oh, there's something back there that, you know, must be valuable. Yeah,
2: there, there's I mean? one, there, there's one, there's one house in our neighborhood like that. My, my neighborhood's got a bunch of, you know, hundred year old craftsman houses, just little houses and, um, small fences nothing nothing big but one guy uh got a little plot of land in our neighborhood and built a you know it looks like a fortress i mean it really does it's it, it's got a huge fence around it it's got two turrets uh i mean it, it looks it's extremely closed off we all have nice front porches that are really inviting and he doesn't, there's, you know, there's a gate to go into the front yard. There's another gate to go on to the little landing where you can go into the big heavy front door. Um, and I, I had that. I was like, what does he have back there? <laughs> What's he, you know, and the house is more than twice as big as our houses. You know, why does he have, what does he need all this room for? What does he need all the security for? What's he got? um and i'm i'm sure other people who come into the neighborhood especially if anybody comes in the neighborhood looking for you know something to take they're going to be really interested in his house
0: how does this play into our if we did a personal application of that first stanza how would that apply to us you know everything's spiritual you know we think there's an aspect of our life that's spiritual and the rest that's not but you know if y'all found what i have that in reality, everything's spiritual. How, how do we live in life putting up those fancy gates that, what are we trying to protect behind that gate, so to speak? There's a lot of introspection you can do with that. What am I, am I pretending here? Is there something to pretend or or, or am I overvaluing? Tina? <clears throat>
3: um, when I think about the first, about this, first part um and how it applies to my life i go back and forth like what we were talking about i think last week about um stuff and and i was thinking a lot about our discussion this past week and i was thinking where where the dow seems very literal i mean it's that's why i love it um But like you said, buddy, you know, stuff doesn't have to be stuff. It can be old ideas or ways of thinking. Um, That really helped when you said that because, you know, I'm going through a thing right now where my stuff is blocking the sunlight of the spirit or it's preventing me from being the fullest person I can be. And that's when I realized I'm overvaluing possessions. And I have just started, I mean, everyone Knows of a grandma garage full of crap well I already have a grandma garage (laughs) (laughs) and I I shouldn't have that much I'm we're giving it away we're just there's nothing I'm going to be able to get to in this lifetime that's going to give me peace in my heart but I was I was wondering so for me it's a very literal thing these readings because I'm going through that process of not buying anything and giving away the things I have just to I want more spirituality in my life. And those are the things that clog that up for me. So I guess, so my question is, it can be literal, but also it can be, you know, um, a different meaning. And I like the way that the Tao will say, this is what the people should do when really I turn that around and think this is what I should be doing. But it's in such a nice, subtle way of saying it. It's like, yeah, they should. And then a little bit later, I'll say, wait, I should. (laughs) so that's what I got.
4: Thank you, Tina. That's good. Lou? Uh, when you said that everything is spiritual, um, it got me thinking about the bestowing of honors and um, prizes, and and I thought about it in terms of myself. And, you know, think, think of the resume and all the stuff you put out there about how great you are and those kinds of things, uh, so I think there's a tendency to um, in our culture, to hype that kind of stuff. You know, one of the first things people usually ask you is, what do you do? And then you talk about how these wonderful things that you're doing. Um, and what I found is when you run into somebody that, that not only doesn't blow their own horn, but kind of keeps back from that and, um, and is reserved in terms of their accomplishments and those kinds of things, they're the people I tend to want to pay more attention to. They're the ones that um, don't have to shout from the rooftops how great they are and um, removes all of that from that arena of honors and, and uh, attention and adulation and that kind of thing. Thank you, Luke. That's good. Brian? Yeah, to,
1: to me, all this, uh, you know, th- this speaks to, uh, to humility and, uh, you know, my, my ego. Uh, for a long time, I, I put up this facade and, and I was that guy that was, that, you know, if, if I had that house on the other side of the hill with the gate, that, uh, then I could prove to everybody that I was okay, you know, and that I, that I made it and that I don't need y'all. And, uh, and, you know, I probably would have, would have walled myself off as well. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, yeah, when I, when I read this verse the other day, it, that was one of the things that I thought about because for so long I would I would use uh, stuff, you know, to to put up that image that I was okay, and uh, and it it does not it, it you can't fill the hole in your soul with stuff, you know, no amount of money fixes that, and uh, you know uh, uh, I believe it was Lou said something about people that that don't speak much. Uh, I've got a, a friend that's, uh, very successful in business and, uh, he's, he's one of these guys that I've, that I've gotten to know over probably 10 years in recovery. And, uh, and there's, there's things that he says and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I get little snippets here and there about his business, you know, and, and I'm like, man, you gotta be kidding me. Is what I'm thinking, you know, but then again, he's told me before he says, man, I don't want to draw any attention to myself. And, uh, he's just, if if you saw him in Walmart, you know, he's, uh, he's just an ordinary dude. And, uh, and I really admire that about him. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't let many people in. He does, he does a lot of things behind the scenes. And, uh, I, I really admire that. And, uh, I've tried to, tried to be that guy, uh, I actually worked for a, uh, I guess I can say it. I worked for UPS for a couple of years. I was considering a career change and, and uh, didn't work out, moved on. And so one day the UPS truck comes screaming down my driveway or down the street. He stops at the end of my drive and, and uh, he hollers and says, Hey, I know you. And, uh, and I, I couldn't remember the guy's name. And I recognized his face. And so I walked down there and, he wasn't hollering from the other side of the gate. So let's quit to clarify that. But uh and I walked up and I was talking to him, you know, and and uh and emotionally I really wasn't doing that well that day. And he says, Well, he says, Well, how are you doing? He says, Man, looking around, I'd say you're doing pretty darn good. And uh, and I thought it just really hit me when he said that. I mean, it made me made me be grateful for what I have. Uh, but at the same time, and that day I was kind of struggling with that, with that comparison and, and, uh, and that gnawing desire to be that guy that, that lives down the road for me that has the gate that, uh, you know, that, you know, that, that, that the house is on hundreds of acres. So this is, uh, this is a good burst for me. Thanks.
0: That discontent, Brian, I think
1: is what discontent. you're talking about, right? Discontent. It's, it's, it's a bottomless pit for me.
0: those expectations too i've been meditating a lot on expectation how they steal everything everything
2: drew i I just um what brian said about his his friend who just kind of goes out in the world with the confidence to just be himself and not need to you know not need to wear a twenty thousand dollar watch to show people you know how much money he's got or you know, dress in the nicest clothes, or only go to the nicest places. You know, I I know people who wouldn't who wouldn't dare set foot on Walmart property. You know, and and I'm I'm serious about that. We've got you know, it's I I, I know people who wouldn't set foot in certain restaurants, who wouldn't dare be seen in these places because they they're just so afraid of what people would think of them. You know, for being being in these places Um, and then, you know, got friends on the other side of the spectrum who like Brian's friend, they're, um, they could be doing all that. And instead they're just walking around with the confidence to be who they are and meet people where they are. And, you know, Hey, this, this restaurant's looks pretty good. Let's go in there. You know, I heard it's got really good food. And, and that's, that's a, those types of people are really good influences to me. The ones who just, you know, who, I mean, not only are okay with it, but kind of seek out like a lot of the metaphors about water seeking out the low places. You know, that's, um, I, I, I like that metaphor a lot. And, you know, if, if you can be like water and be happy anywhere and, you know, be happier in the, in the places where a lot of people wouldn't be happy, uh, there's, there's a lot of peace that comes with that.
5: Thank you, Drew. Bish. So, uh, I know it's probably been 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 talked about many times uh, uh, on the podcast, um, but it kind of blows me away that uh, this book was written, uh, you know, a long time ago on the other side of the world, and yet it has so many like applications to today, here and now in the West, um, and and, and uh, I'm i am it's hard for me to just look at it and go, Oh yeah, no, this wasn't just written yesterday. Right. Um, this, this, the first part of this, uh, uh, smacks of, um, the desires, the wanting me to be better than, uh, others, uh, uh wanting me to have more than others. Um, and, and, um, the materialism of, of today's society in the West, um, just it it really like shines a magnifying glass on all this, right? The, uh, uh, if I can not compare myself to other people, um, I don't, I don't end up getting jealous and these whole interpersonal conflicts just disappear. And if I don't, um, lust after material things for the sake of the material things, uh, I don't end up being like this, uh, Uh, fantasy world, dragon-like hoarding all my treasures (laughs) out of their mind, right? Um, And at the same time, uh, uh, those kinds of things open open us up to um, susceptibility to modern marketing, like where we're just inundated with, oh, buy this, get that. Your life would be better if you only had this, and you're not satisfied, but Gee, if you just had this one topical cream, like your skin would be better and the world would be better. <laughs> and I feel like corporations and individuals would not take advantage of that kind of thing if, if, if we as, as individuals and as a society could just kind of lean back and not desire, not crave, not want, 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 next thing. Uh, because we're never satisfied, right? I never end up uh, satiated as a result of any kind of purchasing, right? I never, <laughs> I never really end up getting uh, what I want. Uh, and again, it just, um, I'm just shocked that uh, of the applicability daily, um, here and now for such an old book. So anyway, it's all I got.
0: Thanks, Bish. Yeah, you know, isn't that the human condition? for me, is that if I'm not fit spiritually, I'm always looking at these things outside as a way to give me what can only come from within. And I think I've realized with my addiction that I may always crave to be different. I don't know for things to be different than they are. That hasn't really left, which I thought it would over time. I've been sober 14 years, 14 and a half. So I thought by now I wouldn't you know, desire things to be different, but there's still some of that to surrender. And I still like, I still like things to be different. I like it when my team wins or I like it when this or that is my day going to be better because of a ball game. I, I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, those kind of things, you know, when the ball game's over and the Braves have won, I'm happier than when they've lost. I'm like, why is that? Why would I allow a game that makes no difference whatsoever to affect the way, you know, uh, that I feel? That's just crazy that I would even consider doing that. But yet that's what happens all the time. You know,
2: Drew. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a huge sports fan, have been all my life. So, yeah, that metaphor hits home with me. Uh, especially because I'm a huge fan of teams that are, <laughs> that have been really frustrating for a long time. Um, so I feel you on that, but I, I, I think it's a healthy enjoyment until you turn it into an unhealthy obsession. You know, when, if you're disappointed, you know, if I'm disappointed that team X lost on Sunday, you know, at the last minute or whatever, um, I, I'm, I'm fine with that, but if, it, if I'm still upset about it you know an hour later or if I let it affect you know how I drive, you know I'm angrier because uh, my team lost. Um, I've, I read a couple of years ago a study found that when a, a professional football team loses in a city, um, rates of domestic violence go up by you know a couple of percent. It's it's not it's not nothing, but it's it is statistically noticeable. Um, and you know, I, I like when my team wins, but if I ever get to a place where you know when my team loses, I hurt somebody, especially somebody I love. You know, that's uh, that's too much. But um, yeah, I, I I think there's there's healthy sports fandom. I I kind of think there's innate tribalism that. Will never get out of the human brain, um, and that's uh, of all the ways to of all the ways to you know let your let yourself feel a little bit of that tribalism that your brain just really wants to feel. You know, a little bit of sports here and there. I I think that's a little healthy diversion for me. Just kind of got to watch until it gets obsessive or you know till till I start letting emotions take control of me for it.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Drew. That's good. Uh, Lou? Well, first of all, it's good to hear that Drew is a Detroit Lions fan, like I am, <laughs> about losing teams all the time. Um, That puts me in perspective. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm a sports fan, too, and and uh, would get bummed when my team lost, which was a, lot, was a lot at the time, and maybe that's why I'm not so much that way anymore. But what's <laughs> helped me, I think, in that is I have grandkids that play. And When you're watching little kids play, um, you see the development, you see the joy they have, and I find myself really rooting for the other team as much as I am for my grandson or granddaughter's team because they're having the joy of the moment, and I guess that's the way I feel about it. If you could, it's like you know, watching an eagle soar or something, if you can delight in it, um, but, it, but then not despair in it, um, I think there's things to be said for delighting in things a positive mm-hmm. feeling of it. Although, you know, you don't want to depend on it or get caught up in it, but when you see it to delight in it and that's, what's helped me. And so when I watched the Tigers the under nine game or 10 game losing streak, I still got some enjoyment out of some good plays by either team, but it was a little happier when they won the last couple of games against the twins, but still working on that.
0: Yeah. You know, Lou, that's uh I just noticed how I felt a little different and it was like, huh, it wasn't something major. I didn't go you know, kicking the dog around the house because of it or nothing like that. But, you know, I just noticed I felt a little different. And I'm like, huh, why is that? You know? So I was, I'm still digging into that a little more. Um, second stanza. Let's move on. Cause we've, we're running. Actually, we're, we talked a lot more about the first one than I thought we would. Um, The master leads by emptying people's minds, filling their bellies, weakening their ambitions, and making them become strong, preferring simplicity and freedom from desires, avoiding the pitfalls of knowledge and wrong action. Jonathan Starr, thus the sage rules, by stilling minds and opening hearts, then filling bellies and strengthening bones. The Chinese in that, the, the original could, could make that interpreted as by giving people a backbone. So he stills their mind, opens their heart, and gives them a backbone. He shows them how to be simple and live without desire. What we're talking about in the first stanza. To be content and not look for other ways with the people
2: so pure who could trick them
0: What clever ideas could lead them
2: astray? Uh, Drew. This section always gave me a little trouble. Um, I think one reason is because it comes so early in the book. The the way I've always looked at it is, you know, almost a command to me. You know, Drew needs to go out and empty people's minds, fill their cores, you know. Go out and weaken people's ambition. Go out toughen people's resolve. Go out create confusion. You know, okay. How how do I do that? When when do I do that? When is appropriate to do that? When is not? But um, I think what Tina uh, talked about earlier really helped me with this right now. Um, applying this to myself, this rather than seeing this as a command you know, to be fulfilled for other people. Um, cause the, I've, I've just always kind of thought that when I looked at this portion, you know, why, how do I go out and create confusion? That doesn't seem, if I just go out with the goal of creating confusion in people, that, that doesn't seem like a good end means to an end. Um, but looking at this as something to apply to myself, like Tina was saying, I, I think that's a lot more helpful.
5: Thank you, Drew. Fish. Oops. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I completely agree, Drew. Um, yeah, this struck me as not so much uh, um, uh, how to how to enforce my will on others as as much as it is um, how to behave right and the whole uh, emptying of the mind. Um, uh, uh, is is um, freeing myself of of ego and attachment, uh, and the filling of the belly uh, could be thought of as um, um, the the breath, right the the filling filling the belly uh, full of breath in meditation, um, and then the weakening of the wills is is getting rid of uh, m- my desire to impose what I want on on you or the world. Um, And then I don't I don't know about the strengthening the bones that always kind of left me uh, scratching my head. So I'm I'm, I feel like a couple things here. First, uh, I'm probably uh, totally overanalyzing this, which which as we go into like the very last bit of uh, of it, will will kind of make it seem rather funny. But um, the strengthening the bones uh, just kind of breaks down the whole. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry,
0: <laughs> had a friend of mine that he'd been successful in business. And he decided to buy him a Maserati, and we're in rural Georgia. Okay, not rural, rural, but uh, not quite urban. That in between town of twenty thousand, town of twenty thousand or so, just in between. So he bought him a Maserati, and he's in program, long time, and he sold it. So why'd you sell your car like in no time, like within weeks? He said, you know he says everyone looked at me differently, and I looked at everyone else differently, and people would make comments about my car, and they would like they were sizing me up because of what I drove he says, and I did not like it, so he ended up selling it because he didn't like the way that other people looked at him, and I think more than that, he didn't like the way he felt in it toward other people that was uh that was interesting and speaks some to what we're, that inward change we're talking about here, not not relying on those externals to try to make us happy in any way. Um, and, you know, in this second stanza, too, it sounds like the tasks that the master is completing are not good. If you thought about it, that really wouldn't be the way that you would want to look at things. It's kind of paradoxical when you think about it. You say, okay, I'm going to empty their mind. I'm going to weaken ambition. I'm going to help people lose what they have. That just doesn't sound quite like what you would really, I would never pray for that for me, right? Weaken my ambition. I want to lose everything I have. And it says it creates confusion in those who think that they know. So we want to reverse this. goes back to that same AA quote that uh We're afraid of losing something that we have or not get something that we want. You know, what is that 12 and 12, 10th, I believe, the spiritual axiom that every time I'm disturbed here, it is page 90 and the step 10 and the 12, 12 and 12 It's a spiritual axiom that every time that we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, that's not the one I wanted, but that's good. There's something wrong with us. The priority is getting undisturbed rather than getting even. That's a uh, Sandy Beach quote. Anyway, we'll just stay with that. Emptying minds. This is what's accomplished. Stilling minds. Being still and opening hearts. If you've ever had difficulty with someone, let's say there's someone you haven't have a resentment against. If someone comes to mind that you may be dealing with a resentment, just take a second and just verbally say I'm opening my heart to whoever. If I do that, I feel better. I don't know why that works. I send love to blank. How can I be of help to blank? That opening up of our heart is much more than, does much more for me than what I thought it would do. Uh, Tina? Um, Thank you
3: for reading that out of the 12 by 12. I was just looking at... um this last night, I actually, something I need to talk about real quick, I'm getting ready to go make my probably first amend to my sister today at lunch. And I'm very nervous. This has been my hardest one. I didn't want to do the easy ones first. I want to do the hardest one, which has taken me a long time to get there. But um, so that's where I'm headed today. And I really needed to hear that. Um, But something that I read was talking about um, these stuff nine, but if we had prepared ourselves well in advance, such reactions will not defeat us from our steady and even purpose. And I think that steady and even purpose is what what the second verse is talking about um with the weakening ambitions because left to my own devices, my ambitions are very self serving and ego driven and and what's it gonna make me look like, you know. I have I have big problems with that as well. Um our intentions even though they can they can be good, you know. Once we get in the under the spell of consumerism and everything that people have brought up, you know, societal what the society tells you you need, they prey on our weakness, that's how they make money. And we no one makes money by building each other up and building up our spiritual our spiritual life and And it's a really hard thing, I guess, to do. So I want to commend you all for being here, working on your spiritual life right now. Um, I was just at a big function for all of our employees. We had about 150 people there. And I had so many people come up to me and say, so what do you do? And I stay home. And it was a really tough night for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because there's all these people working for us very hard. And I'm like, oh, finally, at the end, I said, you know, I'm on a spiritual journey trying to stay. I've been so, I've been, I quit drinking in 2014, and it's been a continual everyday process. And that's what I do. I stay sober. I go to meetings. I try to help other people. But, you know, it was a special person that asked. I knew I could say that to the first seven people. I just said, Oh, I stay home with the boys, you know, because you don't feel like you can just be yourself like I can in front of you guys. So that's a really hard thing for me to do being in out in the world where everyone is under that lens of, look at me, look at what I have. What do you have? What do you do? So those are my thoughts.
0: Thanks, Tina. Thanks, dear. Let's move on to this last little stanza, because this is the answer in my, in, what, in the way I read it. Now, before that, though, he says in the last little bit of that second stanza, with people so pure, who could trick them? What clever ideas would lead them astray? Now, when the action is pure and selfless, everything settles into its own perfect place. Or when we practice non doing, everything will fall into place. That's the Wu Wei that we talk about, the effortless effort. You know, when, you know, effortless effort is not, you know, when I would first read that in the beginning, I would think, Well, that's about doing nothing. How is that going to work? I've got to do something, but it's not talking about no effort. It's talking about a different kind of effort. It's still effort. It's still work. Actually, for me, it's more difficult work than what I would prefer to do. It's funny. Okay. Think about this. I used to think I was satisfied. My, my energy I put towards something was in itself would pacify my fear that things were going to work a particular way. Let's say uh, business was down and I needed more business. So if I got out there and hustled really hard, I would have confidence that what I was doing would help things to work out. Did not give me time to think about things. I just got busy working, in other words. And what this is saying is that our efforts should be in a different direction than what they have in the past. So I think that's the difference. It's it's coming from a place of selflessness when in the past my efforts were always from a pure state of self. My ass was on fire and I was doing something to put it out. You know, I mean that's really the way I felt about that. So this is a whole shift in our thinking, isn't it? And our motivation.
2: Drew? Yeah, you, you mentioning your friend with the Maserati. <clears throat> um I thought of that with this because <clears throat> I, I I needed to buy a new car last year. Um and you know not doing literally would be me not buying a car. And right. that's you know that's that wasn't practical for me. Um so I, I needed to do something which would, you know, literally go against not doing but like you were saying um it's it's how you go about the action you need to take it's what you what you take into account when you're making the decision um and if i had based my decisions on you know what are people going to think of me when you know when i drive this car around or you know when i show up to this reunion or this you know event with people who i really want to impress you know and they see me get out of a car what kind of a car do i want them to see me get out of and you know what are other people driving what's you know what's the hottest thing what's the nicest thing um you know that that would not have led me to make a good decision at all um I just found, I, buddy, I think you and I talked about, it. we bought pretty much the exact same Camry, <laughs> just, uh, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a good car. It, you know, I, I looked it up. I got a great deal on it. Um, you know, it is, it is not the kind of car that my colleagues drive that, you know, a lot of people around here drive and, you know, I don't care. I, it's, it costs a heck of a lot less than those other cars. I'm really happy with it, and I'm not scared if somebody, you know, deems the door or something. You know, it, it's 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 car. It gets me from point A to point B. It's got a couple things in it that I like, um, and I I just I think that was a good example of me kind of putting the the not doing into practice by you know lo- looking for something um with the right intention and going about it the right way and you know I'm really happy with it. I don't think about my car other than when I get in it and even when I get in it, I'm not thinking about it, just, just using it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Drew. Uh Brian. Uh for me, you know, so much about of it is is about just um uh, when when I can feel that anxiety building and uh, you know, I'm I'm self employed as well and and um uh, And, and, you know, for me, it's about pumping the brakes, even, even if it means sitting with something overnight, uh, or mulling it over for, for a couple of days or however long it takes. It's like, I can feel that energy and it's, it's like I'm, I feel like I'm paddling upstream and, uh, and, and I just have to, I just have to think about it and just in my, in my heart, take what I think is that next, you know, like the same recovery, that next right indicated step. And, uh, and just let go. Uh, you know, for me, you know, I would, I would quote jobs. And, uh, and, and if I didn't hear something back in an hour, I was just a mess. And, you know, we're talking about large corporations that, that the wheels turn slow, they operate on their own schedule. Uh, and, and, you know, I've started a practice uh, that I'll send a quote, I'll wait at least a day, and I'll send an email and I'll say, do you need any, uh, do you need any, adi- can I provide you with any additional information? And I just let go of it. And it is hard as hell to let go, depending on where I'm at, because I can immediately go into this is my last freaking dollar and I've got to make it or, but which is not the case, Uh, but it can be tough, it, especially when you, uh when you have friends in business and, and, uh you know, you stop by and they're like, man, you're not going to believe what happened this afternoon. <laughs> you know, this guy walked in with a huge order and just dumped it on my desk, you know, and I'm just like, man, that's great. I'm happy for you. And, uh, that's what the, it's one of buddy's tools. And, uh, and I'm just like, man, I am so happy for you. you know, and, uh, and there is some truth to that. It's not a hundred percent true, you know, but I'm, I'm forcing myself in that direction. And, uh, so yeah, this is good stuff. I, I gotta have this stuff every day. And, uh, thank you.
0: Thanks, Brian Tina. I do have one thing I want to mention before I go to Bish. I don't want to forget to mention my sponsor, uh, When I was starting to do my amends, he he suggested that I start with something I appreciate in the person that I'm making the amend to so that if I do that, then I brought the conversation up to a level of love so that it's easier to go into the rest of it. So I learned and, and I even use that when it's not an amend. Let's say it's I'm having difficulty with someone in the middle of something going on. I'll think, okay, what do I appreciate in this person? And shift it from the negative to the positive. So I don't know if that helps, but that always helps me with mine. Thank you. Uh Bish.
5: <laughs> so I'm over here just laughing at myself because I spent the that, that whole last bit about trying to explain the emptying minds and the filling bodies. And I'm, I'm just trying to find the right word so that what I can des- I desire to to seem smart like oh look at the big brain on Bish he's got the big vocabulary trying to find the right word and I couldn't do it right I'm just like fumbling with the and then as soon as I shut my gob and lean back oh analogy that was the word I was looking for as soon as. Like ah, I just step back. Everything just comes naturally. And uh I just oh I wanted to be order to be smart. And what happens? Well, I fell flat on my face.
3: But,
5: and I really, I really didn't because it, it it made me it just made me smile and made me grin. And I'm just so glad to be here with you guys. <laughs> Get a little humility, man. I needed that in my life. Mm-hmm. So thank you.
0: James Bish. You know, before we go, I do want to mention the necessity to be open to selfless action. And when we start with selfless action, it's mixed. You know, a little of it might be for good reasons. This is just me, but a lot of it was was not motivation where it needed to be. And as time went on, my motivations became more and more pure by practicing. So, you know, at first it might have been, well, my sponsor told me I needed to pray for other people. So here I go, I'll pray for somebody. You know, it used to be, you know, that. To now, I have a practice when I go into a meeting, if I'm having difficulty connecting or I just do this a lot of the time. I'll open my heart to the people that are there, go around the room and open my heart. If you're ever on a, a business meeting, try this and see if it doesn't work. Or if you're have a, have a sales appointment, open my heart to this person. I send them love. How can I be of service to them? To those three things I use constant uh, and I go into a meeting or go around each of the, the people and do that for them. You know, I open my heart. If I say, uh, Drew was in a meeting with me. Even if I didn't know his name, I'd I'd just kind of envision him. I'd open my heart to Drew. I send love to Drew. How can I be of service to Drew today? And I'll use that around for everyone involved. And it's amazing that once I do that, that's a way that I can introduce selfless action is by by opening my heart, by surrendering. See, that's a surrender process. And things really do fall into place when I do that no matter what it is that we're talking about. Yeah. It's funny, you know, it it looks like we'd have 15 or 20 points to how to do the second stanza, right? You know, how how we still our mind, how we do, you know, become desireless, you know, all this stuff. When in reality, it's one sentence. It's that last sentence. Actions pure, uh, when actions pure and selfless, everything settles into its own perfect place. So it's much more simple. It's what can I do for you today, instead of what you can do for me today, Tina.
3: I think I think um, this third verse is really summed up well in Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, on how to just forget, you know, the names of every, just how to empty your mind. But one of the things I took from him and how to maybe what it what I think helps me get into a pure mode is he says make everything you do a meditation. If you have to walk up the stairs, let that be the most important thing you're doing. And that kind of takes you out of the, You know, it kind of brings you back to present. You know, when they talk about what do you see? What do you name five things you can hear, smell, you know, all those things to kind of ground you. But I think um, and that making whatever you're doing your meditation, I don't think. You know, because it's not logical to to do nothing like you said with the car, you can't always do nothing. But if you do things that are pure and selfless um, and you make that your meditation, that's a way that's kind of living in the solution. There's a little bit of a solution there that has worked for me. I just wanted to share it. Thanks,
0: Tina. Yeah. You know, it's if we're buying a car, the way I approach that, it's not, oh, well, when it's the right car, it'll come to me. For me, what I do is, and what I did when I bought this car last year, Drew, I am powerless over what car I need. Thank you that I will be led in the direction of the car I need. I am powerless, Uh, open my heart, and I will know when it's the right car that I need. Something like that. You know, just whatever bubbles up to do with that. And then guess what? I go online and start looking at cars. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I I have to do some action. It's not that we do nothing. And if it really started bothering me or if I started getting some anxiety about it, uh, I would ask for someone to be placed in my path that I can pray for, that they find the car they need. And in conversation, somebody will say, oh, I'm I'm looking for a car too. You know, I, I need to buy one, blah, blah, blah. Or, or I could pray for the people looking at, Auto Trader that they would find the car that they need. Even if I didn't know anyone, you know, anything to get the focus off of me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. We need to close up, guys. Any, any other comments? uh We got to the good stuff there at the end, but it really is selfless action. It really and opening our heart, and it could be the same. Maybe we could say selfless motivation, because a lot of times the actions look the same whether we're have a deep selfishness that the actions are coming out of or a selflessness. Sometimes the, the, the behaviors look exactly the same. Uh, Brian. Yeah. I just wanted to mention
1: the G word gratitude. Yeah. Like my inner or I've got to have that too. I was, I was looking at Paul and I, I thought about it and I was like, man, I got to mention that because, you know, sponsees first thing I say is, you know, have you done your gratitude list? And uh, my sponsor used to used to say that to me, and he'd say, you know, I'm not, you know, write down five things you're grateful for. Call me back in an hour, and man, it would piss me off, <laughs> you know. And uh, I'd call him back an hour, ten minutes later, you know. I <laughs> funny but uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's important too. It's a good meeting. Thank y'all. Well,
0: Thank you. you know that gratitude Brian introduces the higher power into our relation, into our conversation and into, even though, you know, love was already there. Mm -hmm. We just couldn't see it. You know, we couldn't see it. Yeah, that's good. Gratitude always does that for me because gratitude gets me out of the way. So we've got praying for others. We've got gratitude and just working the steps, you know, is helpful with this because the steps, what they did was they identified my fears and how to get rid of those fears. So I could better allow things to fall into place so I could learn how to be selfless in small ways. Good. Anything else to add, guys, before we close? Y'all have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.